Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. We are the Naked Professors. I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Ben Bidwell. Is that how we're doing it? <laughs> we're doing it like wow, that, like okay. we're a 90s pop group. <laughs> It's perfect. Um, we are the Naked Professors. Uh, I don't know if you've heard our podcast before. Uh, we'd like to have conversations with relevant people to discuss their affiliation, our affiliation, our journeys and everything to do with mental health. We aim to normalize the conversation so people can understand their own mental health through, through other people having conversations. So we've had numerous podcast guests in the past, but today we have somebody very, very special, a human being that um, has lived and worked in uh, South Wales, has been part of a very male-dominated um, industry for such a long time, and very recently has begun a, began a wonderful journey, I'd say. The journey clacks into two now. There's, that's a couple of people drunk on tequilas at home listening. Um, he's been on a journey of self-discovery, which has been an incredible thing to, do, to, to see and to be a part of. And um, please put your hands together to welcome to, my, to the stage my father, Gary Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this is a Father's Day special as well, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, this is. I'm, I'm, we, we did so. We did a Mother's Day special with my mum, and um, I loved it. And I think hopefully you you enjoyed it as well. It was loads of fun. I'm, I'm really excited to share this energy between you two. I hope I'm not going to be like a gooseberry. Um, <laughs> and because I, I, so I've only, so so Gary and I have exchanged a few messages for a while. Um, over Instagram, but this weekend is the first time I got to meet him, and that's a really special moment for me. I was really looking forward to, to just meeting you because you know you feel like you're friends over Instagram a little bit, but we've brought that to life. So um, I don't know where this conversation is going to go. I know you guys have been in quite a deep place together before, which was a really special moment, and, and I'm just really intrigued to see where the, the, this whole father son conversation goes. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this and also very nervous. Dad, how do you feel? Um, Open-minded, very quite nervous, yeah. to be honest. With you, but uh, like you say, I'm in a better place now to be able to reflect on my life and be able to uh, share it, basically. So I'm I'm pretty good to go. Should we dive straight into that? Because you say you're in a better place now. Yeah. Can we? Can we? Can you elaborate what what you mean by that? Well, I can remember when Matt and um, I show about himself. Uh, what was it actually called? Documentary. A documentary yeah. about Matt's uh, mental health and uh, the journey that he'd went on. And it accumulated with uh, Matt and I 
actually been on top of Kafili Mountain, where our home is. Well, not actually on the mountain, but in Kafili. <laughs> so we'd walked up on the mountain with um, myself, Matt, my dog, and the crew that was actually filming the documentary. And it was quite surreal because it was about Matt and they were asking me my feelings. But it popped up what I was doing about my own mental health, my own problems, that I was quite open and honest about that I had problems. And I used words to the effect it, during that interview, um, well, I'm a bit of a lost cause, really. You know, I was 60, 59 then, 60. And that's the way I felt, you know. Nothing, I couldn't, there was nothing no one could do for me. I felt that's the way it was, you know, that age. And Matt started to cry. And he literally started to cry there and then. I oh, I didn't like that at all, you know, because he's pretty manly Matt himself, you know, he's not a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, extremely. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, I can remember again, using the term words to the effect, look, Dad, with all the marathons I do for mental health, with all the things I try to get across to people, if there's one person I want to see do something for themselves, it's you. Oh, I thought, oh, hell, I'm, I'm committed here. I really am committed. But, and like the truth is, and like people in this room might realize, it's, it's, it's okay making the decision, yeah, I'm going to do something about it. But it's actually doing something about it. And I think Matt thought I was dragging my heels a little bit. And lo and behold, about maybe a 12 month ago now, he said, I want you to go on a men's retreat. Uh, and I knew the fella, Craig White, because of the, the rugby connections. So I did, and it was literally in March of this year, I went on this a men's retreat, Men Without Masks retreat, which Ben has actually been on in the past, and Matt is actually going on it himself next month. And it absolutely blew me away. I, you know, to see that the average age in that treat, 14 of us, was 30, 34, 35 years of age. And instantly, it, within a day, day and a half of the retreat, I realized, wow, I wish I'd done this 30 years ago. Do you know what I mean? That would have set me up. Because I knew then there was something wrong with my own way of thinking, by the way I dealt with things, shut myself away and just not speak to people at all. And... It was f so fantastic for me to s be amongst younger men, predominantly. I think Craig was the next to me. No, no, I tell a lie. There was one man on there who was 61, 61, and he was a great bloke. But anybody that's starting the road of um, recovery, really, that wants to, to do something about it, something like that, is, it was just fantastic. I want to... Go back, yeah. um, that's a, a lovely description of where you are now and, and what you briefly went through. Uh -huh. um, the feelings that you, you, you had yeah. when you said you wish you did that 30 years ago, uh -huh. what, what, what was your mental state like, state like 30 years ago? Well, I say 30 years ago because that put me at my, the age of their men, average age. But my, uh, as a child, I, I knew I, I, there was something wrong because I could always, I'd always 
like what they study, they say about depression is about the past and the anxiety is about what's going to happen in the future. And between the two, I was always worried about the past and I was always worried about the future. Nothing physical, you know, nothing about work or anything like that. It was just the, the way I was brought up um, was pretty strict, pretty regimental. My father was pretty um, do that, do this, don't don't do that. Yeah, he was um, pretty much the stereotypical Welsh. Oh, absolutely. Dad, a minor I, absolutely. I, I didn't strict. feel as if I was treated any different than my friends. My my friends in school had similar problems. But it wasn't identified in them days as a problem. We just got on with it. I can remember when the end of my first year in Compia, well, grammar school it was then. And it was horrible for me because at the end of that one year, you'd done your exams and out of 90 lads, 30 went on to become uh, the, the elite, the, the, the more favoured. <laughs> shouldn't say this more favoured, but they were the ones that went on where they thought we were going to do better at the they did exams. The rest of us, I could see at 12 years of age, we, we, we just, just cast aside in this school, no, no one cares. And I was so worried. I used to sit in my bedroom window and I'd say, oh, if a red car goes past now, I'm going to be all okay, I'm going to go into that, into the best year, and I'd be, I'd be safe, the old man won't bother me. But I, I didn't... I didn't take to the grammar school education at the time, the, the way that they, we were taught by people in these big black coats. and I couldn't relate to them. And it, I, I, school and me had a bad relationship because of that. You know, I'm so jealous of what people got now. And like, now I've been introduced to yoga and things. Their attitude is so much nicer. It's not... It's more <laughs> of an inclusive way of learning, Oh, absolutely. Isn't it? Totally. Did you have a problem with uh, authority then? Oh, definitely. Because my father used to thump things down my throat. Uh, even like I remember uh, using the toilet, I, I my mic gone. Um, when I literally went to the toilet in my uh, the family toilet, I must have peed on the seat a little bit. Uh, wow, you know. But the impression it had on me, see, he said to me, "You got a dick. I got a dick. Don't do that." But I remember that. It's my family. But folks. it's fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great. <laughs> I did, yeah. But I remember the same my wife? Where's my wife? Where's my wife? Ooh, she's in the back, I did. <laughs> but you but the problem is, see, Matt, that, that... Yeah, but the problem I had, they were ingrained. I seem toilets there now, and every single time... I know I've got my own toilet upstairs, but sometimes I'm forced to use that one for whatever reason. I remember those words. And there's so many other aspects in my life that triggers the problems I had growing up because it made me, you know, I was a very pleasant child because I used to just hide away. You know, the bottom line was, I know deep down inside, I met your mother when I was young. And the truth is, I think if I hadn't met your mother and been introduced to her family, because I thought Christmases were the way my Christmases were, my father jumped in his car, shot off, and would love to just spend Christmas away and come home He'd been drinking and driving, and he'd, uh, he'd, he'd want Christmas dinner, and I'd just be sat there thinking, I ate this. Didn't know why, didn't know. Thought it was possibly the normal then, but I didn't like it until I was introduced to your mother's family, who were normal and loving. And that's the, worst, that's the first time I can honestly say that word love come into my life, and I would have been 13 years of age, 14 years of age. I didn't know 
anything about that. Well, my, my mother would hide Christmas presents under my bed and little things like that. But it stayed here and made me into a very rebellious child. We, we uh, talk about this a lot, don't we, Ben? Is that the, these little wicked whispers we hear from people from when we are young and they, they attach mm. themselves to our subconscious and they're always constantly mm. there. And mm. they're the, the wicked whispers that we, we constantly punish ourselves with, that, mm. that voice in the back yeah. of your You're not good enough, you did that. You're, Absolutely. Or every time you would have gone to the loo, that would have reminded you of yeah. that horrible thing your father did to you mm. at that time. And, mm. and, and it's, a, it's a common thing, isn't it? That mm. horrible lecture we constantly give us through our mm. subconscious, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, we, we often talk about how our, how our um, this negative bias, how our brain is focused always on the challenges, and 80 to 90% of our thoughts are negative. So I think that this is what I think we find so frustrating, is you're talking very bravely and very openly in a way that probably you didn't, would not never have dreamed of five, ten years ago, or maybe even a year ago, I don't yeah. know. But actually, it's really not uncommon. You know, it, our brains are trained to, to think like this, and yeah. unless there is some conversation like this, we have no idea. And, yeah. I, and, and, and I, you know, it's really refreshing to hear people talk, talk like this, because it allows other people to process the way they are in a better way, and that we're all oh. in a similar place. Well, this is what, jumping to the present day, I'm trying to do now, is make people from where I come from, there's a lot of boys, a lot of men down the pubs, down here, down there, for whatever reason, are suffering in silence. And this is the aspect that you guys, we're all out to do now, is to make men talk openly and honest about their problems and they still don't there's a lot of men i know that don't and uh, it's awful to be honest with you it is quite awful i had to come uh sort of i was gonna say come out then right that's a bad term isn't it? uh i had to come cleaning myself because of the job i was doing and you know but then stereotypically, I went to the doctors, like some people do, and yeah, 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 yeah you, you've got depression. You use your tablets, off you go. Like they say, go and, go and see, a, go and see a, a football match next week, you'll be fine, come back. And you go back and say, yes, no, well, oh, have some more. You need double that dose. And the next thing you know, you're, you, you, you're, and now I look back from what I've learned literally in the last 12 months, that you're a victim then of this wonderful pharmaceutical companies that just want people on drugs. And it's a fact. I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm here now and I'm still, because of the process of them horrible drugs, that you take so many that you can't just stop taking them or you'll have awful problems, even worse than what you were before you were ill. And I was taking them for around 20 years. And now I'm literally, like from 40 milligrams down to 10 and that's taking me three four months so I'm, I'm still on that journey now of coming off them but i am and i don't feel as if i need them at all but i've got to do it properly because of the side effects that can be unfortunately given to people like us that that, that come off medication but god I'm, I, I'm glad i am because it's so apparent now that it's such a bad, bad situation to be in, that people, doc, doctors, your own doctor will say, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, take these. Oh, I'm not feeling very good. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'm going to send you to the local um, uh, place in Caffili Tisserial. It's, 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 uh, you'll be assessed by um, a psychologist or, or, sorry, what's the other? 
psychiatrist, sorry. Oh, I thought, right, oh, that sounds promising. Yeah, okay, let's go. And I went to see this chap, younger than me, obviously, and he took notes, 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 and notes, and he said, oh, you come back in two weeks, and we, I'll, uh, I'll give you the update on everything. And I went there, and the first thing he said, which I thought, oh, no. So I went to see sort of my peers with your notes. He was only like a, a, a trainee, like a runner for this, the psychiatrist. And he said, no, no, I don't think you were um, suffering from bipolar. You were just, you just got depression, but we want to change your tablets. Promising. You know, them days I can honestly say, I thought, oh, well, you know, doctor says, doctors are right. And uh, he instantly stopped me taking the one tablet I was on and put me on the other ones. Well, he didn't tell me that if I come off the first ones, I was going to have terrible withdrawal symptoms, which I did. My wife will back me up on that. And I, had, I went, whoa, hang on, no, there's something really wrong with my state of mind at the time. It's worse than being what I was like prior to taking any tablets at all. And it was, it, it was, it was incredible because I, I just hit, well, I hit the panic button, to be honest. I went back on the old ones, ditched the new ones because I thought this is, this is not working at all. Do I go back to them? Yeah, I did. And oh, well, oh, well. And I thought, oh, God, this, this is really, really... Not really good advert for the NHS then. About I, I remember that time quite vividly. Mm. And I remember oh, when you did have a higher dosage of tablets and it mm. was incredibly painful for me to see you mm. as a dumbed-down version of yourself. Mm. Because li like in your personality or not yourself, you are a larger-than-life character. People love you and get on well with you. And at mm. times you were, in, you were in incredible lows. And, and I've mm. seen those more than more than everybody but it, there was something incredibly painful to see somebody just in the middle and that for me mm. was something that were th that for me was the moment when i re realized that you, you seemed like for years you were on a path to to get better because you were you were you acknowledged it that you went to the doctors and then mm. you, you took your tablets but for 20 years all Nothing. you did was just dumb yourself down there was no mm. route of your problem, no, nobody no, talks about how you lived as a teenager, as a youngster, what no. you're, you were like in your job. Nobody actually looked beyond just no. masking and dumbing down the human being that was in front of you. And that for me, and that coincides, I think, with our discussions about mental health and, oh, and our yeah. chats and the start of our, us making a documentary. That's probably about eight years ago that happened, that switch or something. Oh, definitely. Well, It was around that time. Yeah, but you... You started to look after yourself and searching and looking and meeting people like Ben and you, you started... But, and, and that was ple so pleasing for me and typical of the way I am, even today. I was more happy to see, help you or see you help yourself than myself, you know? And I, yeah. that is a fault with a lot of men I know of similar sort of personalities to me. Helping others is a lot easier than helping yourself. Does that make sense, Ben? Yeah, of course, totally. But what I want to ask you about is, is so then talking about how you helped yourself, you went on this retreat, and part yeah. of the big part of the, yeah. of the, the process on the retreat mm -hmm. is sitting in a circle in amongst men and talking and yes. sharing. Absolutely. And how, can you talk to everyone how that felt? Because have you done much of that before? Nothing. Okay. So Nothing. how did that? So, so was that a, a, a difficult experience? And how did it feel after? I was nervous going there, but as soon as I met uh, Craig himself. The actual, the, the main uh, facilitator, yeah, facilitator there, and the other guys. You quickly, in no time, realise 
you're, you're all there for because you've got a problem or problems and of various degrees and different types of anxiety, the future, depression, the past, both. Uh, some literally were nothing to do with the, 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 what I would say like a, a mental health problem. They were just because of the, the effects that they were brought up by their mothers and that had made them into someone they didn't want to be. But I, 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 I was... I was welcomed, and I can honestly say it was easy to talk within no time. I would say within an hour, if they, uh, well, if they did. I think they threw you all into the deep end. You just had to stand there and go, you know, tell us all about yourself and if there's any problems you've got. Like. And how did that feel when you shared that? Were you scared? And I felt quite liberated instantly. As soon as you started? Yeah, I thought I've spent 20 years talking to myself, which is stupid, because you just go round and round in circles, thinking, thinking, oh, that's wrong, what shall I do? He'd ring me, what are you doing now, what are you doing now? And I can remember once hiding in the toilet, and he was talking to my wife, you know, can I speak to Dad, can I speak to Dad, because he was in London. No, I don't speak to him, I can't, I can't speak to him, I can't speak to him. And that's how I lived for years and years and years, trying to deal with it myself, which is hopeless. It was hopeless, until I... The terms I've learned now, and I, I advise anybody is reaching out, you reach out. I actually, you know, I started to, in, before I went on the street, I become quite pally with Ben because I, could, I was reading lots of things he was putting out on Instagram and I could relate to it. He was giving advice and I was thinking, oh, thanks, that's, that's good, that's good. So I started to go that way because of what Ben was saying and then these two teamed up together, which was fabulous, you know, I... And they're so good together, you know, and, and they, can come, they can actually do it in a, in a comical way sometimes with, with, with um, some of the guests. They've had, like, when they had Davina McCall on the show, it was fantastic. You know, the open and honesty was brilliant. Without giving too much away about the retreat, of course, um, what were the major learning points for you? you? You obviously talking and being open. Clearly, you like to talk. So that was, that was, Sorry. that's like, Sorry. that's, Sorry. Well, I'm just glad you like, just go, go on Gary. Um, and, and it's wonderful, it, it just pours out of you. I remember talking to you on the, on the documentary, asking you two questions, and you just went, and you just carried on. It's because you have this built up inside you, this conversation, yeah. which, that connection you needed was mm -hmm. ready to pour out of you. So that communication, the connection, the openness helps. Mm. What, what was the other thing you had to kind of, dig deep into to try and untangle in your mind. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 
Well, without going giving away too much of about the tr- retreat and the way that they go about it with the architects, yeah, we can't the love spoiler alert. We can't. No, no, do that. no, no, no. Like not for you, spoiler. for me, um, during a medica- uh, meditation session, the part of it was that you literally was lying there so still, and up you went out to out to the roof. You know, you've just floated, floated, floated up into the sky, and on these clouds, you meet Mini Me, Gary who was six, because I photographed, we were invited to take um, uh, either trophies from our past or photographs of ourselves. I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought, I'm gonna take that photo, I had when I was six. I often used to look at it, not know the answers, didn't even know what I was looking for. But that day, when I went up into that sky, (laughs) there was that lad, and the the, the instructor was amazing, because he said, right, Sing him on your back, like, like my eldest son has got his son on his back now, which actually reminded me about it then. And I sort of come down from the clouds with me at six and had a little play. And the effect that had on me, because I believe my problem started then. You know, I, at that kid was um, innocent, was young, didn't know nothing was just going to be guided along by his parents and uh, that's when it all went hit up for me to be honest with you and that's the end of that you know, that I appreciate and I admit it and but it was nice to see it and when I came back from the retreat I was so excited about that I I can remember my grandson watched because I was so impatient about things I probably during Matt's life and his sister's life and his, and his elder brother's life I'd very rarely have time to sit down and watch a film with them. They used to have like Superman was on all the time and I, not me, half work, gone, gone, think, think, moan. And that was me. Not a, not a very great father myself. Because I, I had no sort of time for them. Uh, enough time. You know, I hope you understand that. I'll be the judge of that. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't necessarily a present father. You were a great father. You did exactly what you needed to do to provide for us. I remember mm-hmm. you taking Adam around the country swimming, and we always used to go, used to be in a, a job where you have to have incredibly difficult shift patterns, and then still take us both early morning training, which is 6 a.m., mm. and then tea time training. And, and, and you, you were there, you were physically there, because that's mm-hmm. how you knew you could do something, because you yeah. could pick it up with your hands, you'd take it there. Yeah. Um, you just weren't mentally there. No, no, probably I look back now and I think that was fear that I could be there. Maybe I was worried that, how do I react? I, I, I'm still not brilliant now. Well, that, that's the thing. Patience it's, it's, is it's something. All, it's all a process, isn't oh, it? And I think totally. What, what totally. From from looking back, the difference is 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 it's Megatron difference. You're a different mm, human mm, being, mm. and you're you're constantly learning and, and learning new things. Mm. And that retreat was an amazing thing for you. The 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 disconnect that we would have. The only emotion I think, because you're an emotional guy, you're a really sensitive emotional guy. Mm. The only emotion that you really would would allow in anybody to see was probably aggression or anger with something, because totally. that was your natural instinct for anything. Because yeah. I, I don't know why, and, and that's, that's, that was your emotion oh. that you connected to. Yeah. Oh. Not, not in any way was he aggressive or hit us or anything. No, no, but I, I, know, but I know what you, you mean. You, 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 you were very angry with everything, it oh. seemed, seemed at some times. I, 
it's so difficult and like it's so near to me now how obvious and bad I've been walking down the street and I see someone on their phone in the car. Oh, you know, someone drives badly in front of me and I'm... I've seen you on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that poor Nigel Farage. Oh. <laughs> I really like... I enjoy... I'm terrible, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> to be honest with that, sorry, sorry, Ben, yeah. I keep stealing the microphone for you. Yeah. The, the, um, there's a de direct correlation between road rage and people on Twitter. It's the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. You, you feel as if you can say that to somebody on Twitter or in the confines of your own safe car. Yeah. You'd never say it in the street, right? No. That's what that is. But in reality... <laughs> well, I hope he does in any way. You're not going to have any friends, Dad. No, I'm not many. No, but it, it, you're, you're, the way, the, how do you deal with that? The, your first connection to an emotion was an anger and aggression. <laughs> how do you process that now? How do I process that now, going back to what I have learned, is breathing. I find the breathing exercises and the way that that can relax me pretty instantly. If I do just say, whoa, stop, think, breathe. And in that moment, your aggression level or the level of whatever problem you've got, if I just stick to that stop breathe stop breathe and i can't speak highly enough for breathing exercises you you, you know you've made i see you doing it with him uh, the, the the breath guy here people have got any form of uh, anxiety there's one this one chap that was introduced to by um no uh on the retreat oh i'm sorry Craig, Craig White himself, he, he, he introduced us to a guy called Dr. Weiss and there was like three or four different breathing exercises and the one he absolutely puts down for anxiety. And I, because uh, my daughter suffers a little bit with anxiety, don't you wonder a little bit, she can get really wound up about things. And I sent her all the details and she was so pleased that it, I was making that effort for her. And I felt good about helping someone, albeit... I'm going to be happy I was helping my daughter. And those breathing exercises work. Well, they certainly work for me. And I spent years, like, literally growling, everything. The minute I got up, and oh, I'm late to work. I've got to be there 20 minutes before I start. And it was just constant, every day, every day. And now, all of a sudden, I've been introduced to this life. You know what I mean? I would never have even thought, even... Two or three years ago, I've come into a retreat like this. The freedom, the love, the quietness, because I am a more relaxed person now already. And I'm still on that amazing journey. You know, I've got a long way to go, I, I believe. But being relaxed for the uh, first time in my life, virtually, is, is, is a nice feeling. It really, really is a nice feeling. I think that's credit to you, though, Gary, because, you know, I think to my dad... He lives a stressful life. You know, life is a problem to be solved. It's it's and very rarely do I even the things that he likes doing. We play golf. And my, you know, he's meant to enjoy it. My God, you know, it's a pretty stressful experience. I assure you. Um, and and it, it's probably a little bit of a just generational thing. But you know, the idea of here, for him to go to something like this, is, you know, he wouldn't go there because it's very different. It's very foreign. 
mm. and it's you know that's out of comfort mm. zone you know it takes yeah. some guts for you to go on that retreat it takes some guts for you to change yeah. to explore when you had that chat with matt yeah. you know it was hard it was hard. right i've got to change this isn't easy so yeah. you know this is where we bang on about vulnerability that that for me is vulnerability I don't necessarily want to do this. This is going to be really challenging. Mm -hmm. But for my greater good, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to, I'm going to embrace change because I think there might be something better for me out yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and that's definitely. credit to you. Well, thank you, Ben. I, I, I really appreciate that. But, you know, in, I've never was... I'd never been to a yoga class when I was younger. I'd done boxing, I'd played rugby. And all the sport that I ever done was based on aggression. And that's how I could get... I probably wasn't, you know, I was a pretty good boxer because I was aggressive, because I blah, 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 blah. But being introduced on the retreat to meditation, yoga, it's been absolutely wonderful. And me and Matt, I, well, I went to a yoga class yesterday with Mukesh, the guy with the beard. And I was speaking to him with Matt yesterday afternoon and my, my sort of person now, you know, and the guy is a free-spirited person. He, he runs his own very similar to what Craig does, uh, a men's group in Bournemouth. And it's, it's incredible the effort that he puts in. And he's a barber. And he got so many men coming to him. And literally, you know, I'm down. My, I, my brother says, my brother-in-law died six months ago and I seem to be getting worse, you know. And he's there. He's there like a flash note to help. And... It's fantastic. I was I was there for this conversation, yeah. wasn't I? And yeah. for me, it was amazing to see because you were talking to somebody about a level of consciousness and awareness, uh, self-reflection, all these things. It just, for me, it felt like you had cracked it because you were just in there having a conversation, having this new conversation mm -hmm. that you've probably never had before. And you're walking around having these open connections with mm. people, mm. talking about, well, barbershops are like therapy, um, counselling mm. sessions for I wouldn't men. know, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. I follow my mum, don't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your mother cuts my hair. Like. <laughs> but, I don't, I don't but talk from, about things. Like from my perspective, to, to hear you have that connection and talk, it was, it was that we passed him and it took 40 minutes. You had time, you had a connection, yeah. and that never would have happened before. What does it feel like now when you do bump into people and have uh, a, 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 more of an awakened conversation now? Because that must be like an, a, a wonderful moment. Like you've just been reborn or something. Literally. Literally. You know, I'm 62 now, and to speak to people like him and realise that for whatever long I've got left on this earth, if I go and speak to people like him, and learn and get pleasure out of speaking to people like him. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's funny, I look back and I can honestly say, I used to go to, like, in my old job, I'd go to do's and, I, I, you know, they were my mates. One of my, I thought was one of my closer mates in my old job said, oh, you don't meet many friends in this job, there's lots of acquaintances. And, wow, it was true. Because I was the one that... Uh, you know, if after I had a couple of pints, if I'd be in a do, gone. I'd, I'd be gone. I'd do a runner. Because the truth is, I look back now, and so, uh, the, the conversations that I was having with who I thought were my closest friends and colleagues, it wasn't a stimulating conversation. Because where I come from, you say that you talk about rugby, rugby or rugby, only with men. <laughs> and it's true, you know, and I've been, I'm still one of my greatest greatest uh, loves is, is watching rugby 
But I don't know if I even told you this, Matt. Me and Matt went to see Wheels with the Grand Slam. No, literally, didn't we? And I rung his mother. This is going to be a shock to him. And I said, I, oh, there's something missing. I, I, I'm not enjoying this as much as what I used to. You know, just drinking, drinking, watching the rugby and the aggression and, oh, come on. And there was something missing. And it's because I think I've been introduced to this more peaceful world later in life that it's, it's kind of taken over and I love it. You know, uh, not because, not like, oh, Wales Online, the HYS is about the rugby. It's always people being aggressive to each other. Oh, you should be playing, you shouldn't be. We know it all. Anybody knows rugby in Wales, we're all well selectors and we all know what who should Ospreys and oh I'm not joined. The hate in Wales is awful, you know. We we, we put a red jersey on say six times a year and shout Wales, Wales and we're all together, fantastic. And then the following week I'm from Ponty, I hate Cardiff. <laughs> I'm from Swansea, I hate Clanetley. I I used to like Neath and now they go in and it's sad. You know what I mean? I used to spend a lot of time I in Spain working and things. And I can honestly say, they used to say, oh, North, North and South Spain don't like each other. But they're down there. Oh, I used to think, Christ in Caffili, you go over the mountain, Cardiff, they don't like you, you don't like them. The Potterbreath can't stand Cardiff. Abbot, you got the, the Ronda Valley, they don't, ooh, there's two of them, they don't like each other. The Cannon Valley, where my mother was from, oh my God. Yes, <laughs> and that's how tribal it is, and a lot of it is because men, in particular men, unless they got that common bond in rugby and down the club or, or whatever, it's pretty stereotypical. It's very, very, very. I find it sad now, personally. So let's talk about this 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 drug connection, because for the first thirty years of my life, I didn't know really that connection because. You can chat about rugby and it can be nice and you can sort of be pals and you know whatever nice. I don't really, yeah. you don't really see them. You don't know about their, 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 what's really going on inside them. You don't see their heart, feel their heart. You don't have that real depth no. of the connection. No, no. And I think this is, this is my biggest thing with, with men is that we never get to a place of deep connection or so many of us don't get to that place of, no. because we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to have those kind of conversations that allow us to see each mm -hmm. other. It's all bravado and it's all sport and it's kind of, you know, not, you know totally. like you said. Totally. And actually I experienced from 30 onwards, this, this, this power of connection is, is the most beautiful drug there is. Oh. And I feel blessed to have, have found well, it like you have now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fortunately, I say, because I, I, I know one of the lads that play for Cardiff, the Blues, he's just retired now, Tom James on the wing. He openly went through mental health problems himself last year and he's... He's helped so many people by just putting his hand up and saying, there's something wrong with me apart from my hamstring, like most rugby players, you know. It's, 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 there's something wrong in here. And there are so many men, so many men. I, I, I look back and I think, yeah, he was suffering, he was suffering, he was suffering. Said nothing because it would have been weak. Simple as that. Mm. It's always seen as a, a weakness, isn't it? Especially in that male-driven, mas oh, masculine totally. world. And totally. um, for me, for me personally, your your transition to to this deeper thought, this this want for more connection mm -hmm. as a human being, it, you're the 
From, and I knew my dad, and I'm going to be you know biased, but you're an example of where we need to be heading in in the world of mental health. You know, like I I would fear that we'd be we would get into some sort of echo chamber of um, only like-minded people having the same discussion. But for me, you're the people that we want to get to because you were from the certain area, had that background, mm -hmm. and at 62 made the change. And we want to get to people and make that change ideally a lot earlier so they can not live an entire life and existence that's not true mm -hmm. to them. Um, so you're, you're probably the best person to ask about this. How, how do we get from here, now this incredible retreat, the big retreat Wales, how do we get from here, learning and talking, communicating, connecting? How do we reach people like you 40 years ago? Right. Well, like Makesh said yesterday, he runs and started that men's group in Bournemouth. And I remember coming home from the retreat myself and thinking, is there a men's group near me? And the nearest one was in Newport, 20, 30 miles away, which is hopeless. You know, there's, there's, there's thousands of people living in Caerphilly, Cardiff, and... oh. No, no, it said Newport, so that wouldn't have been Cardiff. Men have got to start. I feel bad saying men all the time because of all the ladies in you, but it's, it's just exactly the same with with ladies. I, I, I I'm sure the the, the, you know, the the groups and we need more. We need more men to start these groups so men can walk into uh, whether it be a cafe or, or a library or somewhere and simply. I say a library because the old library is where these meetings take place with different groups around me, but it's an old library. Not, not many people talk in a library, so it's a bit silly. But I genuinely think if if someone started groups where men could think, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to pop along and just have a cup of tea and see what can happen. And it can same with women. It's bound to be the, for the same with women. That you can go there and speak... And then all of a sudden it'll come up. Yeah, I am feeling too good. Last twenty years, that's what's needed. That's what's needed. And like these boys are pushing it. The podcasts, fantastic, fantastic. The only trouble is with podcasts that some of the people where I come from might not be that uh, au fait with the modern computers. So there are men, possibly probably older than 35, 40, who are not au fait with modern technology. And that's a shame, because they're going to miss out on it. You know, if you say podcasts, to some of the blokes, 40 plus where I come from, you know, what's a podcast? No disrespect, but it's true. And to help certain men that aren't au fait with modern technology to see these guys doing what they're doing, I think it just needs... Like you see, uh, where I I go for a coffee in this old library, it's an old library. It's like a cafe now, and people go there. And there's loads of little um, flyers sort of pinned to the wall, yoga lessons. You and I do look at it. And I think, wow, there's yoga lessons in the old miners' hospital. There's this, there's that. What if I stuck up there, starting a men's group, uh, meet you Thursday, eleven o'clock a.m. to have a coffee and talk, and just sort of hint into it that people could go there and speak about their possible problems they go in with going on with them. 
Just, uh, just to add something on that, I think maybe if I heard this ten years ago, I might be like, but I don't want to be all down and you know have just boring negative conversations all the time, you know. And 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 I, what I've learned is that actually some of these conversations can be really beautiful, and and actually they don't need to be a poor me exercise and life's dreadful and everyone give me sympathy. It can be a, a very open conversation. That just right now, there's a couple of challenges going on, and these are what they are, and um, I'd love to talk about it, and, and because I want to move forward. And uh, you know, I know there's more for more more in life out there for me. And it, it, do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a, a negative, sympathetic conversation. Oh that gosh, no. It can be a very no. progressive one. Totally. And you see the the introduction to things like yoga, meditation, all the things that men who I'm talking about, like rugby, rugby, boxing, whatever, physical sports. All of a sudden, the switch to um, yoga. This morning, I think there was at least six guys. That was the first time they'd ever uh, experienced yoga, and I bet you some of them men would have gone away and thought, well, "Wow, that was beautiful." I've never laid down for five minutes at the end and relaxed in my life. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I can remember one girl. I used to. Uh, she was a physical, in, physical sort of not instructor. She used to look after the gym, in the council run gym in Caerphilly, and. I used to sneak there during my lunch break sometimes. And I had literally uh, a sunbed. She said, I have a go. There was no one on it. I said, all right, go on then. And she said, because you tell me, when was the last time you laid down and done nothing for half an hour? Or 20 minutes. Or I thought, wow, that's true. You know, I just don't relax. So to do that yoga lesson, see men lying there, all the ladies that do yoga down there now, that would finish up laying there, totally relaxed. The way that they taught, I think, is fantastic, and I, it's the, it, I think, it's the way forward for men and women. Yes, yeah. self care is a huge, huge thing. Just taking that time, yeah, every day, every other day, if you can, for mm. yourself mm. to breathe, and and oh. and the idea that um, it's Mahesh as well. He said, you know, yesterday we've talked for a while about finding your tribe. Yeah, um, and the question was, my dad asked, "Is what if I can't find my tribe in Kafili? I've got to go so far to find a gaggle of men that will have this com connection and communication. Maybe then we could explore different mm. forms of therapy together." And Mahesh said, "Create your own tribe." Yeah, and and and, oh, I, it's and it's I think it's I speak it's on yeah. behalf of everybody when 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 you say we need voices like us, the the Naked Professors podcast, etc. Voices like yours are incredibly important. And I would love it if you mm. could do that. Well, it's it's a good chance I I'm gonna try. Because for a long time I've been thinking I I, I, I wanna give something back. People like Craig, Ben, yourself teaching me all these giving me these tools. We we, we gotta share it. You just gotta share it. You gotta try to help Men and women, you know, I'm not going to be just because I learned a, a men's group worked for me. Maybe I could communicate with women as well. I don't know, but uh, my wife's looking at me now. <laughs> not like that. Not like that. <laughs> Gary's stretch class. Um, <laughs> daddy, um, I never called you Daddy. What the hell am I doing? Oh my God, Lauded. that says a lot. Don't judge me, please. Oh, I, 
<laughs> a picture of them all naked just to get me safe. Um, <laughs> Ma'am, no! <laughs> um, I asked, we asked this question at the end of every podcast, um, and it's a very important one for me, this one. Um, if you could go back to a time in your life where you were at your very worst in your mental health, in your mental state, if you could go back in time right now, what would you say to that young Gary? Right, it's, it's, it's a brilliant question, and I will be very honest. <sighs> Don't take life so serious. I took everything was so serious, black or white. You can make mistakes, just learn from them. Don't worry so much about making mistakes, because I was petrified of making mistakes, and the, the effect that had on me as a person at the time. Well, saying it technically was just detrimental to my my mental health. Don't take life so serious, Gary Boy, or Gary Bach in Wales. That's what I call the little photo photograph of myself, Gary Bach, small Gary. So yeah, don't take life so serious. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for my dad, Gary Johnson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.